Welcome to Activate Church Podcast and thanks for listening. We hope this message helps you and we pray that God speaks to you through this week's message. Hey, um, I hope that you have had a good couple of weeks and uh, we've had a great couple of weeks at church and a couple of weeks ago I preached on uh, what happens when worry attacks. I don't know if you were here for that, but I heard some great stories and testimonies that have rolled in from that. And uh, you know what? When worry attacks, you've got to keep your eyes on Jesus. I believe that. And uh, then the next week, last week, we talked about the cost of following Jesus because I think that once you get the worry thing out the way, uh, God's got a plan for your life. How many of you would believe that? Awesome. That's four of you. Well, we got a lot of work to do today and uh, we're going to go back to the beginning. I might just re-preach those messages actually. But uh, no, I honestly believe it. I, I, you know, when you come to church, Church should not be something you endure, it should be something you enjoy. And when you come to church, I'm going to tell you that God's got a plan for your life and I'm not pumping up your tires this morning. There's no need for me to do that because it's true, because God's actually got a plan for your life. And sometimes you come into church and you hear that and it becomes this rhetoric that you learn to ignore because you haven't seen it come to fruition in your life. Do you know what I'm talking about? So you just get used to hearing it. Let me tell you something. The language of the Spirit is dreams and visions. And when God speaks to you, He's going to speak to you sometimes in your sleep. You're going to wake up with an idea. Man, I I wish I knew this when I was younger because when I was in high school, I would have used this to explain my daydreaming in high school because maths was going on, but I was not present, if you know what I mean. And I'm telling you, you know, we are so quick to tell people not to daydream, but I think it's in those dreamlike states that God will often speak to us and we become aware of what His plans are for our life. We become aware of what His purpose is for us. And you know what I would do? Hey, listen, don't do it for the next 35 minutes. But apart from that, I want to encourage you to dream and uh, don't fall asleep uh, But for the next 35 minutes. But I would encourage you to dream. I would encourage you to think and entertain possibilities and entertain what it is that God has got and what He's got in store for you. Now, I want to tell you something else that's really important that we should just let you know up front. If you've got a dream in your heart, if you've got some purpose on your life that still remains unfulfilled, which I'm kind of tipping as a lot of us because otherwise you've arrived. We should just shoot you now. Like, you go straight up to heaven. It's like, you know, you're going to go straight there. But no, we, you know, we won't do that, okay? But, but what I do want to say is that actually that dream, whatever that is, I'm telling you, you got to expect that it's going to be challenged, that there is going to be things that come up in your life to try to prevent you. So I want to speak to people today who have a dream that's been met with challenges, okay? Now, if you are here this morning, you're like, it's cool, don't worry. Uh, I have dreams, but they're all happening and I haven't been challenged. Listen, wait to the end of the week, right? Because there is a good chance that if you haven't been challenged thus far, that you're still going to be challenged. So here's what I want to do today. I want to tell you a story about a country that had a dream and, uh, the, you know, a nation that had a dream. It was Israel. And they had this dream that uh, they would be free of oppression and all kinds of things. Now, to clue you into the beginning of the story, and I've got to warn you up front, I'm going to read a fair bit of Scripture today, all right? So, so you know, if you haven't done your daily reading, I'm going to cover it all today for you, all right? So, so uh, this con- the nation of Israel, they've been led out of uh, Egypt. They are uh, out and about, and now they're being significantly oppressed by people, the Midianites. They are oppressing them, and they have this dream to be free. It's being challenged 
right now by, uh, the, by the nations that are sort of surrounding them. And so God comes and He speaks to this one guy, his name is Gideon. And He says to Gideon, O mighty man of valor, which was a total uh, lie at the time, because actually uh, the mighty man of valor uh, was actually petrified. He was so worried. Uh, he was afraid. You, you know when God comes, and I kind of spoke about this last week, but do you ever know when God comes to you and He calls you to do something and you're like, <clears throat> you got the wrong guy. Uh, I, I think this is how Gideon felt. It's like, God, I, I, I don't think you've thought this through properly. I'm not your guy. Trust me, every time God calls you, you're his guy or his girl or his girl. You're his person. Politically correct now. So, so uh, whenever God calls you, trust me, he knew what he was doing when he called you. All right. And so he calls Gideon, mighty man of valor. And uh, then uh, he goes around and he pulls down some altars or worshiping false gods. I mean, it, it, that, that's just for free, all right? That's a great line right there. Just if you've got altars in your home, pull them right down right now. I mean, even if that's all you get out of today, that's worth coming to church for, okay? So, so he goes around, he pulls down the altars that, uh, that are around, and now we join in the story. Are you with me so far? Yes. Stay tuned. This is what it says. This is out of Judges and chapter 7. It says, The Lord said to Gideon, The people with you are too many. Now he's leading a charge against the Midianites. He's gathered some soldiers. The people with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hand, lest Israel boast over me, saying, My own hand has saved me. Now, therefore, proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, Whoever is fearful and trembling, let him return home. And hurry away from Mount Gilead. Then 22,000 of the people returned and 10,000 remained. We started with 33. We're already down to 10,000. That would sort of damage your confidence, I guess. But then the Lord says to Gideon, the people are still too many. Take them down to the water and I will test them for you there. And anyone of whom I say to you, this one shall go with you, shall go with you. And anyone of whom I say to you, this one shall not go with you, shall not go. So he brought the people down to the water. And the Lord said to Gideon, everyone who laps the water with his tongue as a dog laps, you shall set by himself. Likewise, everyone who kneels down to drink. And the number of those who lapped, putting their hands to their mouths, was 300 men. But all the rest of the people knelt down to drink water. And the Lord said to Gideon, With the 300 men who lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hand. And let all others go, every man to his home. So the people took provisions in their hands and their trumpets, which is, of course, what you take to battle. And he sent all the rest of Israel, every man to his tent, but retained the 300 men. And the camp of Midian was below him in the valley. That same night, the Lord said to him, And rise, go down against the camp, for I have given it into your hands. But if you are afraid to go down, go down to the camp with Pura, your servant, and you shall hear what they say. And afterward, your hands shall be strengthened to go down against the camp. 
Then he went down with Pura, his servant, to the outposts of the armed men who were in the camp. And the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the other people of the east lay along the valley like locusts in abundance. Right, so there's a lot. It's like you can't even count them. Their camels were without number. The sand, and as the sand is on the seashore in abundance. When Gideon came, behold, a man was telling a dream to his comrade. He said, and then, uh, and he said, "Behold, I dreamed a dream, and behold, a cake of barley bread tumbled into the camp of Midian, and came up." or came to the tent and struck it so that it fell and turned upside down so that the tent lay flat. And his comrade answered, That is no other than the sword of Gideon, son of Joash, a man of Israel. God has given into his hand Midian and all the camp. As soon as Gideon heard of the telling of the dream and its interpretation, he worshipped as you would. And he returned to the camp of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord has given the host of Midian into your hand. And he divided the 300 men into three companies, which is 100 men. And he put trumpets into the hands of all of them and empty jars with torches inside the jars. And he said to them, look at me and do likewise. When I come to the outskirts of the camp, do as I do. I, when I blow the trumpet, I and all who are with me then blow the trumpets also on every side of all the camp and shout for the Lord and for Gideon. That's what they're going to shout out for the Lord and for Gideon. So Gideon and the hundred men who were with him came to the outskirts of the camp. And at the beginning of the middle watch, when they had just set the watch and they blew the trumpets and smashed the jars that were in their hands. Then three companies blew the trumpets and broke the jars. They held in their left hands the torches and in their right hands the trumpets to blow. And they cried out, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. Every man stood in his place around the camp and all the army ran. This is the Midianites. They all ran. They cried out and fled. When they blew the 300 trumpets, the Lord set every man's sword against his comrade and against all the army. And the army fled as far as Beth Shittah towards Zerah, uh, as far as the border of Abel Mahola and by Tabath. That is one of the most outrageous military victories you have ever read on the face of the planet. You've never read something that good. That is outrageous. Basically, these guys blew trumpets and the army, they killed themselves. Now that, I don't care, as far as military tactics go, You've probably never seen anything like that before, but they did it here and it was an amazing victory. And I want to talk to you about that today. So why don't we just begin by praying and let's get stuck into it. Father, we thank you that you're here. And Lord, as we read your word, we're greatly encouraged because we believe that when uh, a situation seems unreasonable or unlikely, when we put our lives in your hands, God, you come and you make the impossible, not only plausible, but to be expected. And so God, I pray that today that Lord, that we would uh, read this and entertain great possibilities and dreams in our hearts, realizing that whatever opposition could come against us, no matter how outnumbered we feel, whether it be finances or whether it be just human circumstances or a spiritual oppression or whatever it is that comes against your people, Lord, our prayer today is that whatever happens, we would always know, always 
always know, every time, God, that you're able to do great and mighty exploits with people that put their faith in the name of your Son. And so, Lord, we just pray that our hearts would be open today and that we would expect great things. In Jesus' name, Amen. So I... I told this story uh, a number of times, and I'm only going to touch on it really briefly. But uh, years ago, Sarah and I, we wanted to um, buy a house, and uh, or we bought some land, and we wanted to build a house. And uh, if you've heard the story before, at the time, it was really nearly impossible. Uh, we went to see a number of banks, and they said, you're never ever going to build that house. It's literally impossible for you. Uh, Every bank will reject you. You don't have what it takes. And through a series of circumstances that was so unlikely, uh, we ended up being able to build that house in the end, praise God. It was a a miracle the way that it came about. But I've got to be honest with you that in the middle of that process in the middle of that time when I was just trying to figure out, God, I thought you said that we were supposed to buy this block of land and to build uh, a house here. I thought you said to do it, but none of it's coming together. I feel like uh, everything is coming against us. Everyone I speak to, every advisor, every financial person that you know steps into our life says to us that we're never going to do it. And I remember going to the edge of that prof- property and just prophesying in Jesus' name that we would eventually build that house. And we did. But at the time, before the whole situation had worked out, when it was still a dream in our hearts, man, I felt like I was at the end of my rope. Have you ever felt like you're just at the end of your rope? Do you know what I'm talking about? You're just at the end of your rope. You, you just, that's it. I've had enough. I give up. I don't think I can do this anymore. You know? I don't know if you've ever felt like that. Come on, parents, you know what I'm talking about. Anyone with small children knows what I'm talking about. Anyone that has small kids and you're trying to teach them what to do and they're not listening to you. Any parent that's decided to go out for a nice romantic meal and brought their kids, you know what I'm talking about. Because they're just interrupting it and ruining it and they're making lots of noise. And you're like, can you please keep it down and stop annoying all the other tables around us, you know. Everyone sort of knows what that feels like. It could feel like, you know, when you're at home and a bunch of bills roll in all at the same time and you look online in your online banking and you realize not only do you have the not, not the money to pay for the bills that came in, but even with three months of savings, you're going to struggle. At that point, you're just thinking like, I, I don't know what to do. You're, you're at the end. Anybody who's tried to raise a teenager who, and you feel like that, that, that kid is slipping off the rails and you're trying to talk to them and, and you love them so much, but they don't get that. They, they just think you're trying to be a killjoy and stop them from enjoying life or whatever. You know what I'm talking about. You're at the end of your rope. You've tried everything. It's not working. It feels exasperated. It feels like giving up. It feels like I'm at the end. I can't be bothered. I don't think I can do this anymore. If you have ever felt like that, you may have some inkling of what it feels like to be Israel in the scripture that we just read. Because Israel, here they are, they're free, they've been let out, they're settled, they're trying to get comfortable in this space, you know, in this land. And these people called the Midianites, who were too numerous to count, were coming along and stealing their crops. They stole all their resources. You know, I mean, as you read the beginning of the story that I started telling you today, it says that Gideon was beating out uh, the, uh, the, the, the wheat in the wine press and he was 
doing that in that space because he was afraid that with people, if he was to go outside, which is where you should do it, by the way, the people would see that he was there. He'd attract the wrong kind of attention and everything that he has would be stolen out of his hands. Everything he would, you know, so this is exactly how Israel are feeling at the time. And it's a horrible place to feel like that, to have all your resources taken. Now, how many of us understand when we read the whole story, I just said to you in one chapter of Scripture, the beginning of that story and the end of that story, and we know that it ends in victory. We also know that it was God's plan all along. But if you trip back to the beginning of that Scripture and you start to read and you imagine putting yourself in the mindset of Israel before the victory, that is only a dream. Freedom is only a dream at that point. Freedom is only something that they're hoping for, but it's certainly not reality. And what I want to say to you is that your dreams are often God's plans. They just have not come to fruition yet. Now, the cool thing is, is that if you could read ahead on the chapters of your life and get to the end, you could see all the victory there, but you're not there yet. You're not there right now. Right now, the freedom is simply a dream. Right now, the, the, the thing that you're hoping for, whether it be a teenager that comes back to church or whether it be, you know, some bills that you can't get paid. I think for some people here, it's ministry that was probably left on the wayside that you were called to do something, but something in your life just completely messed up that season and you feel like you've skipped on ahead and it's like it's back there somewhere and you wish you could go back and turn it over. I'm telling you, every calling begins as a dream for an alternate future. And if God gave you that dream, you got to know at the same time that it's God's plan. I need to take a breath. That's a lot. That's a lot. You got to know something. Every great dream meets opposition. Don't be discouraged. Every great dream meets opposition. Don't be discouraged, man. You've got to know God's plan or your dream. It includes provisional grace. We call that anointing. It includes provisional grace. You are anointed for the thing that is in your heart. You are anointed for the dream that God put in your heart. Now, you, you, you may not be anointed for the anything, dreams that you come up with that aren't authored by God. You may not be anointed that, but I'll tell you something right now. You're anointed for every dream that God put in your heart. It's provisional grace. It's special favour. It's enabling grace, which is upon you to complete whatever the dream is, no matter how unlikely. You think that God chose the wrong person. No, He didn't. He chose the right person. You just aren't aware of the grace that He's ready to pour out in your life so that He can bring what He started in you to completion. Man, you got to understand this because when you start to go out and start to pursue, I don't care what it is, all right? I don't care what it is. Whatever you begin to pursue in your life, you are going to hit challenges. And I feel like if I don't say that to you, you might be surprised when they come along. You are going to hit challenges. So when opposition comes, you should expect it. But you know what you should also expect? That if God has called you, appointed you and anointed you, then you have everything you need to see whatever it is that He's called you to, to come to pass. You see, great odds necessitate a great God. Great odds require a great God. 
You know, the greatest stories that we hear, they're always miraculous, aren't they? The greatest stories are the ones that impress you the most, the ones that blow you out of the water and leave you thinking that anything is possible. They don't come from everyday circumstances. They come from outrageous odds being met by an incredible God. You see, the things that impact you the most is when we leave the normal human physical realm and we go to this place that's beyond human capacity. And we, when, when we enter the realm that's beyond human capacity, we enter the miracle zone and the miracle zone is where all the coolest stuff happens. But in order to get the crazy story, you've got to have that great test that comes your way. Here's something that you might have heard even around church. God will not give you more weight than you can handle. Who knows where that Scripture comes from? Yeah, it's not a Scripture. It's not even a legitimate thing that anyone said. No, what he said was, you, will, you, know, you won't face any temptation that you won't be able to handle. But I've learned something about life. Life is full of things that I can't handle. When you talk about the weight of life and the pressures of just, you know, hey, getting up and doing life every day, family, job, whatever it is that's happening in your world right now, ministry call, life, whatever it is, man, life has this way of giving you way more weight than you can handle. That doesn't even begin to take into consideration the things that God has placed on your life. Let me tell you something about God. He will very likely put more weight on you than you by yourself can handle. But He gives you anointing and grace and favour and strength to be able to do the most impossible things that He's called you to do. That's what He brings. That's what He gives. And when you go, I can't handle any of this. I feel like I've reached the end. I'm, I'm at the end. I give, you know what? I'm at the end of my rope. I'm at the end of my rope. I don't feel like I can actually do this anymore. It, when you feel that way, when you feel exasperated, when you feel tired, frustrated, like the dream that's in your mind, the thing that you're hoping for that hasn't actually happened yet, when it begins to tarry, let me tell you something. It's not because you're not smart enough. So just square that away right now. It's not because you're not smart enough. And it's not because you're not strong enough. Because it's not about the strength that you carry. It's not because you lack the resources to fund whatever it is. No, actually, the reason some dreams tarry is because they are literally impossible to do without God breaking through and changing and transforming something. The reason it's impossible, it's not about your intelligence. If you start to look within and say, why can't I make this happen? I think you've answered your own question. Because the truth is, you can't make this happen. When God calls people to do incredible things, you need His anointing and His grace and His favour to actually break through. Every great dream meets with opposition, with the potential to stop it. And at that point, this is what you feel. I'm at the end of my rope. How many of you feel that way today? You don't have to raise your hands, but how many of you feel that way today? I'm at the end of my rope. I am ready right now to give up on what I felt I was supposed to do. I'm just ready to call it quits, to walk away. Or how about this? Let's make it a little more spiritual for you all today. I'm just going to shelve it. Yeah, find that scripture for me too, eh? I'm going to shelve it. 
When you feel that way, I want you to remember one thing. When you are at the end of what you can do, you have only reached the beginning of what God can do. When you are at the end of what you can do, I mean, you've tried everything. You've tried everything. There's, there's, no, there's nothing else for you to do. You're at the end. The situation is as bleak as it's going to be. It's as dark as it's going to get. You're as far away as you can possibly imagine. You've tried everything and everything you try doesn't seem to work out. You have only reached the beginning of what God can do. Can you imagine this is exactly what Gideon would have felt like? That is the most incredible story I've ever read. And you know what Gideon had to confirm it in his heart? Right before the passage that we read today, Gideon says, comes to God and he says, I want to know that I'm supposed to lead these 33,000 people in a battle against the Midianites. So I'm going to ask you to, to talk to me. He says, no problem. He says, all right, I'm going to put a fleece out on the ground. And when the dew settles in the morning, here's what I want. I want the fleece to be soaking wet and I want all the ground to be dry. He wakes up next morning, goes out, touches it, exactly as he asked for. So the fleece is wet and all the ground is dry. He says, just, just to make sure, just to make sure that, that I have heard correctly, um, I want to ask for the opposite so I know I've got this right. So now I, I want the fleece to be dry, but I want all the ground to be wet. Wakes up the next morning exactly as he asks for. And he, with that confirmation in his heart, he gets 33,000 people. All right, so far his confirmation is a wet blanket. And with a wet blanket, he says, right, get those 33,000 people. We're going to war. Can you imagine? And, and, he, and, and this, this whole thing is absolutely outrageous. And, and as he starts to set out on his journey with the confirmation of a wet blanket, at the very first opportunity, was it 20, 22, 23,000 men? They, they leave immediately. So now he's got 10,000. How many of you set out on a journey that you believe God commissioned and along the way you hit something that tried to teach you or tried to suggest to you that you were going the wrong direction? Except that it was all about God's glory. That was the whole point. He goes, no, no, you've got too many to win. Huh? What? Too many to win? Yeah, yeah, that's what I said. So we're going to get rid of some more. All right. Well, depending on how the guys drink. You're going to get rid of uh, the rest of them. So now we've got 300. Can you imagine one of the soldiers? He decides he better call his wife because they've been away for a little while now. He's like, hey, babe. Yeah, I love you, babe. Hey, listen, just want to let you know how things are going. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, you noticed that I left my sword at home, right? You know, it's cool. I took my trumpet. I took my trumpet. And she's like, what do you mean? You, t you took your trumpet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's cool. Don't worry about it. Uh, well, I saw a lot of people coming back. Yeah, it's cool. There's, there's like 300 of us. She's like, what? Now, when I sent you out, Gideon told me that there'd be like 33,000 people. I sent you out, baby, with 33,000 people. Now you're saying it's down to 300. Yeah, 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 cool. Well, what do you think you're doing? Babe, don't worry. We got trumpets. And, and, and let me explain to you. Uh, the thing is, I spoke to Gideon and you know what he told me? What? He told me he had a wet blanket. She's like, it's funny. It's like, I thought you just said a wet blanket. That's right, babe. I told you. He's called me to go with 300 men and the confirmation for this is a wet blanket. But don't worry, I brought my trumpet. 
it seem insane to any of you this morning? She was like, whatever. Can you imagine trying to explain this story to anyone else? They're like, you are absolutely out of your mind. Here's what's really cool. They get to where they're going and they stand on the mountaintop. By the way, the mountaintop is very important. It's significant because it's the meeting place of God. And so they stand on the mountaintop. And right before they're about to fight, what happens? They say, uh, all right, here's what, everyone ready? Yeah, cool. Blow your trumpets. They all blow their trumpets. You know what they're doing? Oh man, I love this. They're worshiping for the Lord and for Gideon. They're worshiping. They show up to an outrageous battle with the confirmation of a wet blanket and a trumpet in their hand. And when they get to where they're going, he says, do as I do. He says, blow your trumpets. They blow their trumpets and instantly, bang, the army turns on itself and they start killing each other. That is a military strategy that you're not going to find anywhere else. But can you imagine how discouraged he might be along the way? When all those people start turning back, I wonder how many times he thought back to that wet blanket and went, well, was it really that wet? You know, I don't know. It's like, I had an off day. I, I don't know. I, it might have been slightly damp. But is this enough for a damp blanket? I don't know. How many times do you think back to the confirmations along the way and go, was that really God? Come on, you all do it. You start to set out, but you encounter opposition along the way. And when that opposition comes, you start to think back to the confirmations that were in your heart, the signs, what you saw, what you heard, what you thought. And then you go, I don't know. I'm not sure if that's enough to set the course of my life right now. Do not be discouraged. You know, Gideon's faith caused that 300, that company of 300 to enter into a miracle realm. It was beyond human capacity. And the, they might have lost with 33,000, but they absolutely won with 300. They might have lost with 33,000, but they won with 300. That's, to me, this is absolutely um, astounding. Can I, can I tell you something else as well? Those odds are impossible. Everything that God's called you to do is impossible. If you read the Great Commission, the Great Commission calls you to do what? Go out and preach the gospel, heal the sick, raise the dead, make disciples. Listen, apart from God, you won't be able to do any of that. Your most basic ministry call exists in a land that is absolutely impossible. And without faith in your heart to enter through into that miracle realm, you won't begin to be able to do what God has called you to do. Gideon knew that he was at the end of what he could do, but he knew something that I just want to sort of clue into today. He knew that although he was at the end of what was humanly possible, he'd only reached the beginning of what God could do. It only reached the very beginning of what God can do. Let me tell you something. Don't try to solve what only God can fix. I'm going to say that again because it's really important. Don't try to solve what only God can fix. I am so prone to this. I do this all the time because of my personality, because of my wiring. It's like when a problem comes up, do you know what I do? I'm going to solve this. I can do this. I just start strategizing and all the rest. I start thinking my way through everything. Do you know how many times I've been brought to the place where I have been at the end of my rope and I'm like, I don't know what to do. 
I have come to that place so many times. And let me tell you something that's so good for you to know today. Do you know that I, I, I've spent weeks trying to organize things that are way out of my hand because they're to do with other people or circumstances or situations that I have no control over. And I would have been better off spending two minutes in prayer than weeks trying to strategize it. I would have been better off just spending two minutes in prayer than weeks trying to strategize it. Let me ask you a question this morning. Where do you think your future is actually determined? Do you think it's determined out there or is it determined in here? Do you think that your circumstances are determined when you leave the door of your house or do they happen on the inside when you're praying and in your prayer closet? I'm suggesting to you this morning that your future is far more determined by what you pray than what you just try to strategize in your own. You would be far better off praying into your impossible circumstances than racking your brain trying to solve something that is absolutely impossible to solve In fact, I reckon the future has been changed by more grandmas in prayer closets than it has by anyone else. And the only reason history doesn't actually point to them is because we never see them. Because they're in the secret place. Because they're in the prayer closet. And history will never point to a prayer closet because it's, it's hidden from view. But let me tell you, what your father sees in secret, he will begin to actually reward in public. Most battles that come against your call, most battles that come against your life are spiritual. So the one thing that the enemy will try to do in your life is he'll try to discourage you because discouragement is one of the things that will take out people the most. Now, when you've got a discouraged spirit, it talks to you. And it's the reverberation of your soul. And it says things like this. You can't just quit, give up, walk away, forget it. You know, this is the reverberation of your soul. A discouraged spirit begins to prophesy over you. How many of us in a weak moment, in a dark place, have leaned into the voice of discouragement and allowed that to dictate to us the future direction and call of our lives. Let me tell you something you can do right now. Don't solve problems, pray solutions. I'm serious. Don't solve problems. You got to just start maybe praying for solutions. When you get to the end and you can't do anything, you should just be praying. And the reason you need to do that is that without Jesus, you will do nothing. You just can't. It's like you actually need Him. Without Him, you can, you can do nothing. No thing can you do without Him. This is what Jesus said. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Paul the Apostle said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And when he said that, it was in the context of facing incredible hardships that were trying to stop him. And in the, in the midst of oppression and everything that was trying to discourage him, he said, nah, I'm not giving in. I, I'm going to get a little bit of mongrel here. I'm getting some grit. I, you know what? In the middle of all of this, I'm saying I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And even though everything is trying to convince me right now to give up, to quit, to stop, to walk away. I am not going to do it. You got to remember something. When you're at the end of what you can do, man, you've only reached the beginning of what God can do. You're, You're at the beginning of what God can do. He is limitless. The most impossible things, like we read today, the most impossible things, 
become completely plausible in Him. I don't know what challenges your dreamers met. I guarantee you guys have met some challenges. There's challenges all over this room today. Whatever it is, man, there's challenges in this room today. I don't know what challenges your dreamers met, but I know that being connected to God is the only way that you're actually going to bear fruit and make it through and see things begin to turn around. So when you are following that rope and you're trying to get to the end and you, you know you're running out of rope, you know when you're running out of rope, you're getting tired, you're worn out and, and you feel like you want to give up and you get to the end of the rope right there and Jesus is holding it. He says, hello, I've been waiting for you because at the end of your rope, there's a saviour that can take you way beyond the end of your rope. When you say, I'm, I'm about ready to give up right now, the Holy Spirit comes and He says, I'm so glad you came to this conclusion. Now can we get to work? When you say, I cannot change my circumstances, I give up. I, 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 can't, I cannot change anything. It's like my future is locked in. Your father comes and he says, yeah, I know that's my job. When you're at the end of your rope and you want to give up, and you think you can't change anything, I'm telling you right now, God is waiting in that space for you to take you way beyond where you thought your end was. You thought your end was there? No, you've got to be kidding me. You're anointed. You're called. You're graced to do whatever it is that He's put on your life. I don't know what dream is in your heart right now. And maybe it is for your family. And maybe it is. Maybe it's literally just to try to get through the next couple of months. But man, I've got to tell you, you've got a God who's waiting in that spot for you. So can... Why don't we stand together this morning? I believe that God is calling people in this room to impossible things. And maybe what I'm saying right now, it actually isn't speaking to anyone or to everyone. Maybe that's true. But I actually believe that God is speaking to some of you. And I believe that some of you have been called to impossible things that from where you currently stand you think it is so unlikely but what you're about to do is enter into that miracle realm beyond your own capacity it's going to leave you with a story that's going to impress people it's going to it's going to shatter people's minds they're going to think i can't believe you just told me that is, is was that your life you're like yeah yeah that was my life so here's what i'm going to do this morning i'm really, really simple. Why don't we close our eyes this morning and if you're here today and you've got a dream that's currently being challenged, right now in this space, you're going to fight in the spiritual realm by acknowledging it and saying to God, hey, I'm putting this in your hands. You're tired. Not all of you. This could be you. You're tired. You're ready to quit and you want to give up. But actually God's saying, no, 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 no. There's something else I have for you. Whatever your dream is that's met opposition, today in this place, we're going to pray for that anointing and that grace and that provisional grace to come upon you so that your future will be altered and look different. So if that's you, could you please raise your hands so I know who I'm praying for? Oh, wow. 
way more than I thought. Is there anyone else? I, I, I'm about to pray. I just, I don't want anyone to miss out because there's so many people. I just want to make sure that we don't miss, yeah, more. Okay, cool. Anyone else? Because I really want to pray that God comes and does something for you right now in this moment. If that's you, raise your hands as I pray. And I'm going to believe in faith right now that you'll be different leaving this place. Father, there are so many people here this morning that you see with their hands raised that acknowledge they've got a battle that's beyond their capacity. They've got a dream that's out of their hands. There's stuff in their heart that they want to do, but they don't know how to make it happen. Some of these guys are feeling exasperated. Some of them are at the end of their rope. Some of them want to give up. Some of them are ready to quit. God, I I pray right now for not one of these people to give up on what you've called them to do. Not one person. I pray, God, that your Spirit begin to be poured out, even in this place, as I know you've been doing the whole time we're here. But Lord, I pray that you begin to encourage people in, in, in their hearts. Encourage them right now not to quit and not to give up because God, you and I know that at the end of their rope, there you are holding it, Jesus saying, I've been waiting for you. I pray right now, God, for you to begin to shift impossible circumstances. Shift the most impossible things, the things that are unlikely, that look like they're never gonna shift in Jesus' Name. We bring that circumstance to You. We bring that challenge to You right now. Every spiritual opposition that's come against Your people in Jesus' Name, I pray it be crushed under the weight of the mighty foot of Jesus. And Lord, that Your people would begin to arise and step into everything that You've called them to do. Oh Lord, I pray that You fill this place with encouragement this morning in Jesus' Name. I pray, Amen. We trust you enjoyed this week's message. For any more information about Activate Church, check out our website www.activatechurch.com or download our app online and have a great week.